Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Sometimes I dream of living forever, to never die, not unless I wanted to. Actually, I dream I could just know everything, to have super intelligence, super strength for that matter, and super speed. I wish I could just be happy, all the time, eternal happiness of which sadness never comes. But then, sadly, I realize it's all impossible. But is it really? In this program, I'll be speaking to the people who think that it is possible. We will become cyborgs. Not now, of course, but in the future. And a future that might not be as far away as you think, according to them. Radical technological change is upon us. And I'll be finding out what they think the future has in store for us, human beings. Uh, the future that matters is the future of cognition, not really the future of the human race. Greetings and good evening, Hushtillians. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Where we journey into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our professor of futurology, Slick Frank Sanders. Slick Frank Sanders here. How we doing, boys? We ready? Another okay. live show. Yeah. Another live show. Season five. Time flies the fuck by. Hell we're yeah. Old. Nah. <laughs> we're getting old. That's it. Hanging a towel up at 60. Been in the podcast game way too long, just getting old. Time to retire. First and foremost, <laughs> we must thank all of our listeners for all of the support throughout these last 22 months. We love you guys, and we couldn't be the preceptors we are today without you. I'm better because of you. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> I'm working to be a better man. We're going to try some new things this time around. We're going to keep it fresh, keep it light. If you've caught us at previous live shows, welcome back. If you're a new listener, we hope you enjoy the experience, especially if this is your first live show. And uh, we like to think of this as a small party. In this installment, we'll be exploring transhumanism, its potential benefits and dangers of emerging technologies that could possibly overcome the fundamental human limitations like physical conditions, illnesses, injuries, and even avoid death. We will also try to gain enlightenment with the Yellow Sand Society, a secret society formed in northern China. But before we hop into the gestation pod and find our inner peace, let's pay some bills and promote the hell out of ourselves. Be sure to check us out on all our social medias. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, obviously, Instagram, Discord, where we host our X-Files watch parties on Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We just did one last night. And Twitch. We need more game time on Twitch. But yes, Twitch, as well as the official website for all things Hush Hush Society, www.hushhushsociety.com. There you can find all of our episodes from... Our debriefings, declassified discussions, cryptid chronicles, check out our Hush Hush apparel. We got some new stuff coming in the beginning of season six. Read some news, more conspiracies to read in our juicy blog section, and the ability to drop that ever-coveted review that we 
smash into your cerebellum every time you listen to us. And also drop a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Super smooth, super easy. Yeah, for real, for real. We have been getting a lot of ratings on Spotify. We would like to continue that trend. So if you have not left us a rating on Spotify, please do. It is very easy. You go to our page where you most likely listen to our show and you leave a star rating one through five. Five is good, just in case you were wondering. (laughs) And one is buns. Hushlings, you can earn your cloak and become a patron today. A donation of $5 a month releases your soul as you ascend to become a true Hushling. There you'll get unlimited access to exclusive debriefings. You can get your blood pumping with the steamy cryptid erotica narrated by Mystery Mike and monthly Mm, conspiratorial news and the Frong Factor with myself and Declassified Dave, as well as merch drops, exclusive happenings, and early debriefing release privileges. We are not a cult. We we're, not not a cult. cult. we're not a cult. <laughs> we swear. We're, not. we're kind of a cult. I know. Yes. I'd like to get there. <laughs> Seriously, let's get to a point where at least one person say they will drink Kool-Aid for us. <laughs> oh, my God. Just one person. I, you know, it's like a trust fall, you know, exercise where you're like, okay, listen, we're going to be behind you. You just drink that <laughs> fucking Kool-Aid. And if you start to feel sleepy... Just know it has nothing to do with the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> We've been feverishly working on the Patreon, and it definitely adds quite a bit of content. We have a, a little backlog now, so you should definitely head over and check it out. Over 30 extra episodes on there between all the segments, and you can check that out on patreon.com forward slash hush hush society. It's a, a good amount of content. Seriously. It's fun stuff, too. Yeah, I like the extra debriefings. The exclusive debriefings have been really fun. Yes, I agree. Interesting topics, too. Yeah, I think we'll probably host some clips pretty soon just to, you know, for y'all to hear what you're missing out on. We have some patrons in, in here right now, so they know what's up. And speaking of debriefings, let's take a look back at some of our topics we covered over the course of the last, I can't believe it's been five months. Five months? Five Shit. months. Yeah. Five months since the last live show. So yeah, I told you, time is flying, man. We began season five with Holocaust Denial Chapter One, and (laughs) what a banger to start out with. We're starting out season six with Chapter Two, so get ready. And Pizzagate, Extra Cheese, we had an interesting time with that one. Boys, what are your thoughts on on those two? Pizzagate was a little rough to, to record, and Holocaust Denial was a very heavy subject matter. I want to say that... Pizzagate was probably one of the better episodes. It was tough, but it was one of the better episodes that we did. I think we executed it well. I would agree. After those two heavy hitters, we went on to the Lost City of Atlantis. A little light. And we also explored a hollow moon. That was exciting. I enjoyed hollow moon. Yeah, it was a little outlandish, a little out there, but it was fun to look into. It really opened your eyes to being like... Is it real? Is it real? Just like Atlantis. Atlantis has always been fascinating, so I think that was a fun one to get into. Globalist pedophiles are stealing your children out of your backyard and bringing them to Martian slave encampments on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) We need that dude's phone number. We will get Alex Jones. It'll happen. One day. For episodes five and six, we covered Project Bluebeam, as well as the Mysterious Triangles, which included the Devil's Triangle, the Alaskan Triangle, and the Bermuda Triangle. 
I wanted to take a moment, especially when we're bringing up the Mysterious Triangles episode. We jumped into the Alaskan Triangle, and we got an interesting email, and I'm going to read the email because it deserves to be read. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you right now that I'm going to mispronounce things, and I'm terribly sorry. I'm excited for this. I had no idea. Yeah, I kept it kind of secret so you guys would be uh, thrown off. Yeah, I got to keep you on the game. Keep you on the game. Yeah. All right. So we received this email uh, shortly after our release of Mysterious Triangles episode. Hi, my name is Tanisha, and I live in Alaska. I am Dene. Again, probably saying that wrong. And from interior Alaska, I just wanted to offer some feedback with the intention that it might be helpful. I'm hoping that this is simply a learning moment and not a complaint or criticism. Definitely a learning moment. We do not take things very to heart personal, I guess. Mm. Number one, Eskimo isn't how people identify themselves. It's mostly used by non-native people or the media. So we use the word Eskimo. Number two, saying that people might be eaten by Eskimos, Franck, made it seem like Alaska native people are primitive and uncivilized. I don't even remember saying that. (laughs) We were talking about what, you know, you would get lost in the backwoods of Alaska. I thought we were talking about you being gutted on a vlog. That this was before. Oh. So you, you get lost in, in the Alaskan tundra, and we were like, yeah, and then you'll be eaten. And Frank was like, by Eskimos? <laughs> <laughs> you bigot. <laughs> Barrow, which was a town in Alaska, no longer is the name of the city. They've reclaimed their name and go by. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I am very sorry, but I appreciate you sending it to us. I will look up how to say it. And... Again, lingot is not pronounced with the T sound. There's a T in the front of the word. Look up pronunciations on YouTube if you are interested. Lastly, I wouldn't be worried about being offensive about a topic you aren't familiar with, but being open to learning and doing better makes a huge difference to Native people. I really enjoy listening to your podcast and hope that you continue diving into all the conspiracies. Sincerely, your Alaskan conspiracy theorist fan. And Tanisha Moses is part of the Indigenous Wellness Outreach coordinator of University of Alaska Fairbanks. So we appreciate you calling us out. We need it. I love that. I like constructive criticism. I had to read it. had to bring it up. Still a fan. Yes. She didn't say that we were terrible. We are just, uh, we got to look up her pronunciations. It's a... Moving on. Then we went into BlackRock Asset Management and whether or not they own your life. They do. They do. Indeed. That was actually a scary one, and it's uh, very relevant to pretty much everybody, especially if you're trying to buy a house, if you own any stocks or assets or anything of that nature, just know it's all owned by the same, like, one in two companies. That one was, like, I took a shower the other day and saw Unilever, and I was like, well, fuck, that's it. Instantly thought- (laughs) They own your showers. They own your skin. Yeah, they own- (laughs) Speaking of owning skin, the Kanugu Massacre, we got into that one. We took a dark turn in this season. We started dark, we ended dark, we're starting next season dark. That one was just for me, has always been interesting. And I believe, Mike, it was your idea. I think that was a great episode. It was fun. There was a lot of stuff that I had to cut out from it uh, because <laughs> oh, we, no, have, no. Uh, we have real <laughs> issues. We're, we're terrible people. We're very flawed human beings, but you know, oh what God. can we do? <laughs> 
Lastly, we had the Cheshire Home Invasion Murders, which took place here in Connecticut, a story surrounding the Pettit family. That was actually a hushling suggested topic, which we really appreciate. Yes, I want to let everybody know, if you ever have topics that you want us to cover, please, we are more than ready to do that. We've done a few episodes now that were hushling suggested topics. So if you ever feel like, wow, I really want these guys to cover this, I want them to go into this, and you're not sure whether or not we're going to do it, or if we ever planned on doing it, send us an email, send us a message on Facebook, send us Instagram, whatever it takes. Just reach out to us and be like, hey, you guys should cover this. Nine out of ten times, we'll cover it. Yeah. Except for the guy that had the swastika as his profile picture. Yeah, we don't. He sent a message, and I was like, uh... Not doing yours, bud. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to open that email right now. (laughs) We can't forget our exclusive debriefings. We can't exclude our patrons. We had the death of Kurt Cobain, which we started... That was our first. We started in January in between season four and coming into season five. We then went with avian mercury poisoning, had a wonderful time talking about Jonathan Reed and his alien encounter of bashing aliens over the head with fucking logs. (laughs) And and, uh, we time traveled with some time travelers the last month. We've had a good time, like Mike said earlier, on those exclusive debriefings. Definitely check them out. Those time traveling episodes were heavy. Some of the topics and certain accounts were very, very weird. Explainable sometimes, but very weird. We were also incredibly lucky to have some really awesome guests this season, including Max Egan, Andrew Goff, and Dr. Bruce Goldberg, as well as Nico of Upstate Unconventional Podcast, which we did a Melonheads episode with. Just releasing, we had... Isaac of Hidden in the Shadows podcast, which we covered the Dover Demon for some Cryptid Chronicles. I enjoyed the declassified discussions. We only had three guests this season, but I think it was well-rounded out. Uh And the three guests that we had were amazing. Very interesting topics, great figureheads of conspiracy, alien civilization, past and future regressions with Dr. Bruce Goldberg. He was very proud to tell us his story about him and uh, and, and who was it? What's his name? Uh, Jerry, Jerry Springer. Springer. Jerry Springer. Jerry yeah, Springer, Jerry yeah. Springer. Did a past life regression and future life regression for Jerry Springer. We had a lot of fun and those guests are great. We have more guests for season six, so please stay tuned. We also had one of our own hushlings, Dan. We appreciate you. We love you. You're a champion among men. And he joined us for our Leprechauns episode on St. Patrick's Day. Thank you very much. And again, if you are a hushling and you're just like, hey, man, can I come on? Absolutely. Send us an email. Yeah. Hit us up for sure. It's pretty amazing. I checked the numbers today, actually. We've amassed over 85,000 downloads over the course of our episodes with over 4,000 minutes of these sweet, sweet voices caressing your eardrums. <laughs> Just a sweet little, sweet little breath at the back, at the nape of your neck. Oh <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's beyond our wildest imaginations and uh, more than we could have ever, ever imagined. So we are fast approaching 100,000 downloads, which for some podcasts is nothing. For our podcast, it is beyond words, really. It's awesome. 
Boys, I just want to ask you a quick, what do you think was the best episode? What do you think was, uh, maybe there was that one liner from one of us or one of our guests or anything like that, that really pops out at you and you say, wow, that was season five. Please, please let us know. Can I tell you mine? Run yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. When Max Egan was just shit talking every single person getting the <laughs> vaccine and he's like, those people are fucking idiots. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting in my chair, literally like staring at my hands, like shook because of what this dude is saying. Yeah, yeah. So I think we all went through a dark time after having that guest on. I think that was one of my favorite moments. But also, Andrew Goff was probably my favorite guest, and he was great. I think we're gonna have him on again, Hushlings. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna bring him back for uh, part two. But somebody recently reached out to us and he was actually our very first guest. We are vastly thankful for him and we're going to bring him back in season six for a part two. Mr. Mark O'Connell. Mm. Uh, if you remember, he was he was our first guest. He uh, was on UFO Witness on Discovery Plus. He is a sci-fi writer. He's uh, He's just... He's a great guy, great guy all around and very interesting. He is very well versed in Project Blue Book, so we would love to bring him back and talk more. And we, I know we had a thousand questions that we just couldn't get to when he was on. So we're definitely going to reach out to him and get him on for season six, hopefully. Mike, favorite moment, season five, what you got? Standout moment, really? Yep. yep. Was <sighs> we ended up cutting this part out of this episode. <laughs> And I still struggle with the fact that I cut it out. There was a part in the Kanungu cult <laughs> massacre episode where something was said about coming in the Virgin Mary and uh, <laughs> someone else saying that would make her a virgin and she could still do hand stuff. So yeah, it was a good two minutes where I laughed and I really struggled while editing and I was like, wow, should I put this in the episode? And I didn't and I regret it. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But yes, it was a standout moment. I regret every time I cut something out of an episode. I do. It's like buyer's <laughs> remorse. Frank, what about you before we head into this? It was three words and three words alone. It was Dr. Bruce Goldberg saying, I'm getting impatient. That was probably <laughs> my favorite part of the entire season. <laughs> that that was probably my favorite recording all in all. But when he said, I'm getting impatient, that was my favorite. It had nothing to do with us. It was the recording. Something was going wild with the recording. But yes, that was... <laughs> good times. That was good times. Good times. Hushlings, close your eyes. Pretend it's the year 2051, and you're dining in a popular restaurant. Your server arrives at the table, but she looks to be slightly different from you and your group, aside from your ID chip in your fucking hand. Her eyes are mechanical, and they shine bright blue. You order your meal. She doesn't write anything down. Maybe she's a good server. Maybe she's not. She responds, great. I'll be back with that soon. Sounds pretty normal, right? Yet you look around, and there's others in the room who are barely human. Androids. Cyborgs and some who've had their consciousness uploaded in a brand new body altogether, a living, breathing, real doll in the restaurant. In the instance of our server, they suffered a traumatic injury and lost their sight. Their surgery and rehabilitation also provided her cognitive capacities a significant boost. She took your order and sent it to the kitchen in less than a second. This is the norm in your transhumanistic world. Hmm. So what exactly is transhumanism? It is the belief and or theory that the human race can progress beyond its current physical and mental limitations due to the development and convergence of technologies, including nanotechnology, biotechnology, cognitive science, as well as artificial intelligence, 
superintelligence, 3D bioprinting, mind uploading, chemical brain preservation, biohacking, and cryonics. Lots of avenues. And for those of you with small weens, you can definitely get a new stainless steel extension. <laughs> Just look it out for you guys. Oh, send me the You got that one guy that's like, I want to be like the Iron Giant. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that Vin Diesel? <laughs> the Iron Giant? Yeah, He's no, tiny. it's Vin Diesel. What are you talking no, it's, about? It's He's Vin like... Diesel that plays the voice. Oh. What? I, yes. No. Yeah, look it up. Hushlings, please, please verify. Look Pretty that up. Sure it's I think he's, diesel. I, in the not so distant future, possibly the 2040s, some even say the 2030s, you could earn the label of post-human being or Homo noeticus. Ooh, interesting, right? The next evolution. Transhumanists are ultimately waiting for what's called the singularity, which is the unstoppable progression of technological advances culminating in achieving immortality by uploading minds into AI computers or even merging with robotic technologies, creating blended beings with heightened intellectual and physical powers. Essentially, we will have control of human evolution. That's something that we definitely talked about in mind uploading. Yep. Yeah. But again, to bring it back, uploading your mind is not necessarily uploading you. It's a copy. It's making of a you. carbon copy of you. Yes. I still struggle with that. I've looked past our mind uploading episode, and maybe that deserves a revisit. But there is some technology out there that people are talking about where it could be that exact you. Instead of maybe hooking up to a computer and mapping your brain, it's just a brain transplant, essentially, into a computer or into a, a vat, a brain vat. Does your body just go limp? There is no body. Yeah, but after you upload. After your brain is taken out? Yeah, I think everything's limp. Throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> Before we move on, we have to jump to the time machine and see where this all began. The first notions of transhumanism were originally proposed in 1923 by the British biologist J.B.S. Haldane in his article Daedalus, Science and the Future. He went on to say that significant advantages would come from the application of sophisticated sciences to human biology. That any such breakthrough would first look to someone as blasphemy or bullshit and quote, indecent and unnatural, yet some people will succumb. That's really anything though. Look at like the inception of something as simple as tattoos. Mm -hmm. I'm talking recently, within the past hundred years or so. Sailors during the world wars, getting tattoos across seas, and anybody who has tattoos is a sailor or a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so commonplace now. Even Japan, they had this strict thing about no tattoos in their public places because they attributed them to gangs, the Yakuza. And now they're starting to kind of tip the scale in the ways of acceptance. So I think it's just human nature to look at something that is not the norm and say, what the hell are you guys doing? What's in your brain? Like, what are you thinking doing this to your body or doing this to yourself? And that takes getting used to, just like with anything. Us becoming more machine, I think, is also one of those things. It's definitely going to be one of those things. In 1957, a biologist named Julius Huxley was the first to coin the term transhumanism in his written work that was actually titled the same and he detailed how a human being could remain human while transcending beyond the biological boundaries of human physicality and nature you know even da vinci invented a robotic knight that dude was ahead of his time man way ahead for real <laughs> 
There's some people in, in history that you can go, yeah, that motherfucker was an alien. He's one of them. Yeah, for sure. I think so. Nikola Tesla. Tesla, yeah. Uh, from Venus. Ronald Reagan. Many additional followers of the concept emerged, and transhumanists began meeting in the early 1980s at the University of California at Los Angeles. Since then, it's evolved into a worldwide transhumanist movement. As a result of the 1980s, Los Angeles became the center for transhumanistic thought. That makes sense. You have that whole vibe of the 80s. Future! The future, yeah. In the 80s, everybody believed that the 2020s or even like 2017, that we were going to have floating cars, like Fifth Element. What Didn't that take place like 2017 or 2019 or something like that? We've let down all these 80s and 90s movies. <laughs> yeah. If you're a real cool person, you're driving a piece of junk from the early 90s. No, nobody wants floating cars. I saw somebody get into an Uber and there was no driver. Like a Tesla? Yeah, it was a Tesla. Oof. See, like I thought that wasn't a thing. I thought there had to be a driver and they had to like put their hands to the wheel every so often in the uh, autonomous mode, but maybe they're doing away with that. Might have been Lyft. Do you ever notice that Elon Musk will say AI is a very dangerous thing and it's eventually going to take us over and he really like warns about AI, but at the same time he turns around and he's like, let's put this chip into your fucking brain and see what happens. <laughs> Dude, he's a super villain, I'm telling you. Like, guy's awesome, but he's a super villain. He's like Groot. Yeah. Steal, <laughs> steal the moon. <laughs> Transhumanism was further evolved by thinkers like FM2030 or Freudian M. Esfandiari, yeah. who changed his name. I, I would imagine he did. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes on to state he needed to break free from the widespread practice of naming conventions, which he saw as rooted in a collectivist mentality and only existing as a relic of humankind's tribalistic past. Yeah, so you went on to change your name to something fucking ridiculous. That's like Elon Musk's kid, though. Yeah, it's a math <laughs> equation. Know? I heard him say it. Isn't his name like Alex or something? <laughs> <laughs> I swear Elon was like, oh, you're talking about my son, Alex? Maybe that's just what they call him. Oh, like FM-2030? Yeah, nicknamed Alex. <laughs> this is easier. <laughs> Transhumanism is primarily split between supporters of two visions, one being technology and genetic advancements which will result in dramatically upgraded humans or a different species altogether, the other being a greater than human machine intelligence arises. Supporters believe in some potential benefits, but there are some who are very concerned about some of the substantial risks of these emerging technologies. Let's take a look at some of the benefits of transhumanism, shall we? We shall. Yeah. It aims to reduce the effects of disability or physical ailments by providing seamlessly integrated enhancements that last. Bigger that, wang. Yep, that have longevity. <laughs> the only benefit. An example of this would be the mechanical eye that's in our server from the beginning's face. Stuck in her socket. It's connected to her optic nerve. There's a chip somewhere in her brain that connects, giving her pretty much full sight and an overclocking. There's also cochlear implants, which help the hearing impaired here. And those have been around, at least since I was a little kid. I used to play soccer with a kid who had two of them. So those have definitely been around since the early 90s, late 80s, for sure. Mm. Wait, you played soccer with a kid that had a cock implant? No, no, no. Cochlear. No. Cochlear. Cochlear. Oh, oh the, the ear thing. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Def yeah, gotcha. Sorry, sorry, I heard wrong. We played naked. It's how we did it. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Jesus. Did they serve pizza? <laughs> it would be hot dogs. Remember, hot dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. $160,000 with hot dogs. For example, MIT is working on creating actual limbs or organs with synthetic tissue growth, literally regrowing people. UCLA, with major prosthetic research and advancements, as well as some of these high-tech prosthetic limbs, are incredible. Some are connected to the patient's brain, and they can move the fingers almost naturally. See, that's what I always wondered about, is how you connect that brain to the actual movement of the limb. Because mm. that's a difficult thing to do. It's not fully instantaneous, I think, depending on probably how much money you have. There's a little lag. You can probably get better upgrades. Is it based on your internet service? It could be. It could be a credit <laughs> system on your internet service. <laughs> Which uh, Cox high-speed internet do you have? The thing about regrowing people with, like, the stem cell research, my dad did stem cell research, and I think about it now, you know, almost, not to be TMI hushlings, but almost 10 years after his passing, think about instead of him getting a heart transplant, they could have regrown his heart from his own DNA or something. In a little Petri dish. Yeah. It's kind of trippy. Yeah. And just transplanted into his body. Yeah, we're there. We're there now. Oh, we definitely are. And now they were just talking about a doctor. Don't quote me on the name or anything like that because I don't know. But watching on the news, they were just talking about a doctor who is creating stem cells, but not from humans. They're just stem cells that were grown or made not from human tissue. Just blank slates. Synthetic. Yeah, synthetic. There you go. Huh. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Now, this can limit the duration of injury and reduce suffering. And the big one, you may be able to achieve immortality through the means of mind uploading. In regard to longevity, the Arizona-based Alcor Life Extension Foundation is a company that is super interesting. On top of being nonprofit and federally tax-exempt, they advocate for researches and perform cryonics. Federally tax-exempt. Is they a church? Yeah. Church. We should form a church. We should. I think we have. What a congregation we would have. I mean, that's kind of what this is. This is mass. Speaking of the longevity, there is the freezing of human corpses and brains in liquid nitrogen with hopes of resurrecting and restoring them to full health when a new technology arises in the future. They actually claim to have 142 cryonauts already frozen or partially frozen. Walt Disney. Yeah. This is a Simpsons episode. I can't wait for them to unfreeze him, you know, in the future. He's <laughs> just screaming for like four days straight. <laughs> when he finally comes to, we all know how anti-Semitic he was. Just imagine, he finally comes to, they catch him up, they're like, all right, Walt, this is a multi-billion dollar company now. And he just looks at it and he goes, how come there's so many Jewish people that are Oh my it? God. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things you'd have to show him is that TikTok of those two families fist fighting in Toontown. <laughs> You're like, this is Disneyland now. Oh my now. god. <laughs> Walt, there's so many globalists now. <laughs> Alex Jones would have to be there. <laughs> he would have to be in the room. He's shaking. Alex, uh, Walt is going to be a little disheveled. He's not going to know what's going on. A little confused. Just, uh, you know, break it to him light lightly that... You know, Jewish people kind of run the world. 
<laughs> and it's just Alex Jones screaming at this man that's been cryogenically frozen for decades. And you just see Walt's like head fucking floating in a vat attached to a massive robot. Okay, I'm starting to understand. <laughs> I can't wait until Mecha Walt comes back. <laughs> Well, other than Allcore, who else supports these technologies? There's actually many companies. Lifeboat Foundation is in development of technologies to defend humanity with new methods to combat viruses with effective nanotechnological defense strategies, study genetic engineering, AI, and move towards the singularity, even self-sustaining space colonies in case the other defensive strategies fail. But that's always been kind of the move of the elites, is that there was going to be, and it's it's a very fitting name, Lifeboat Foundation, that there was always going to be a lifeboat. There was always going to be a way off the planet, if need be, a way to burrow into the crust, if need be, a way to get away from the poor people, if need be. Yeah, good luck getting through the dome. Can I mention that the original founder of Alcor is married to the CEO or director of Lifeboat? Oh, sharing some technologies? It seems like a conflict of interest. Now, the topic of how to protect humanity against existential risks, such as nuclear war, droughts, famine, disease, or the possibility of a comet slash asteroid impact is huge. Pretty much what we need to go is underground, like moles. We just need to go underground, mole people. There is evidence that we have gone underground at one point. There's been many cultures that have gone underground for short or long periods of time. But I think it's more in the sense of what we spoke about in the mind uploading episode. Mm. Of I think we even mentioned it in Secret Space Program. How to get off the rock as quick as possible if something horrible happened. Freezing us and shooting us into space. Probably. Yeah. If the technology exists to do the mind uploading... Let's not even say that it's mind uploading. Let's say that we're taking the long route. Maybe we're doing full brain transplants or brain extractions. So, like, how long do you think that would take? Get in there. You maybe go under the anesthetic. They start the bone saw up. You know, take your cap off, pull the brain, put it into the vat, seal the vat, put it onto the rocket. They're not going to do it last minute. They're going to start, you know, weeks before or whatever. They're going to bring in the elites one by one. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. You own a trillion dollars. You own a trillion dollars. You control everything. Come on in here. And then they're going to take the brains. They're going to put them, put them in the vats. Then they're going to put them on the rocket. And then, boom, rocket's off. Maybe two weeks. Two weeks. Easy. Uh -huh. They're going to have an escape plan. And then you have a destination into a intergalactic GPS. Okay, we're going to Alpha Centauri. We're going to find a habitable planet there. That's where, where the rocket's going to land, and then this AI robot is going to pop out and build you guys. That's the way it's going to be. It's freaky shit, dude. And then they're just going to have vials and vials and vials of elite, powerful sperm. Adrenochrome. And eggs. There's going to be so much adrenochrome waiting there for you guys. So Don't worry. <laughs> There's going to be so much pizza and hot dogs sir we found a planet full of adrenochrome <laughs> <laughs> it's just the elites burrowing straight into the ground with their faces trying to gnaw up the adrenochrome rocks <laughs> <laughs> like a chocolate fountain <laughs> 
imagine Char. Oh, oh, I always do this Charlie and the Chocolate Factory references, but like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but instead of all liquid chocolate and stuff, everything's adrenochrome, and they bring in all of the elites, and only one can survive to get like juiced off of all of the adrenochrome, and then he's the true elite. Let's get Meat Canyon to do these animations. He's gonna be expensive. He's so good. He's so good. So let's just get one episode. Shout out Meat Canyon. One good hush hush episode entirely in it. It doesn't even have to be the whole episode. Just like a good, a good maybe five minute portion. Mm. I'm going to reach out to him. I'll see how much it's, it's going to cost. See how much it is. I will. We'll I'll start try. a hushling fund. All right, hushlings. We're going to start a GoFundMe. Look up Meat Canyon so that you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Meat Canyon is going to animate five minutes of our show. The wildest five minutes that we can find. It's probably going to cost us 10 grand. No, no, maybe a few thousand <laughs> tops. A few thousand? A few thousand. Oh, dude, I'll pay for it. Let's do it. Well, other than taking shots of adrenochrome, what are some things people are doing to their bodies right now that integrate this technology that we're talking about? Obviously, everybody has their smartphones. The very thing that you hold in your hands multiple hours a day, every day. Have you ever looked at how long you spend on your cell phone? No, it's like listening to comments about yourself. If you look into, at least on the Android, they call it the digital well-being. If you look on there, you can see how many hours a day you spend on your phone. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't do it unless you want to be vastly, vastly depressed. I'm looking at it right now. There's also internet access to pretty much anything, and according to IBM, the quote internet of things, as we've all heard of, that's like uh, putting a smart computer into your refrigerator. Internet of things. Will eventually lead to the doubling of human knowledge every 12 hours, compared to in 1900, which was every 100 years. Think about that. It's like the Rogan thing, you know, where he's like, the dumbest person on this planet right now is smarter than, you know, he's it's not like... wrong either. Yeah. Do we know that, though? Do we know that? No, probably not. I would maybe not go that far because the dumbest person on this planet, <laughs> people are very stupid. You cannot doubt the stupidity of the human race. I'm sorry. You just can't do it. It's endless. But realistically, looking at it from that point of view... You have a mini computer in your pocket. It's in your hands all the time. It literally is connected to every piece of information on this planet that we've ever come up with. Which in 1956 was the size of a building. Which now fits into your back pocket or gets lost between the seats in the car. I mean, even on your wrist, they've got the smart watches. Let us not forget we are being absolutely blasted with 5G. It comes pre-installed on all the cell phones. And I'll have you know, from my experience, it's slower than 4G. So I don't know what we're doing as a civilization. I really don't It has don't nothing know. to do with speed. No, no. It has everything to do with invading your biology. What about NFC implants? Yeah, people are definitely implanting NFC chips or RFID transponders that essentially read and record data from a little uh, active transponder. If you're a conspiracy theorist, you've definitely seen this throughout the COVID era of the little tiny tag that they pop in your cat's, near your cat's leg or your dog's leg. Once they run away, you can find them. And a lot of people uh, have proposed that they get put in the hand, and that's what some people are doing. NFC chips, what is it, near-field communication? There was a company, I believe, in Sweden where all the employees were getting NFC chips embedded under their skin that would allow them into certain parts of the building, kind of like a work ID. But yeah, no, fuck that. 
Listen, some NFC chips are useful. If you have like your ATM card, your ATM card now comes with an NFC chip, pretty much. So what's useful? Some things are very useful for an NFC, but other things not so much. These transponders may be used to store emergency information, exchange media, as we talked about, and even pay for meals or goods, which is what we were scared of and what we were talking about when we started talking about digital IDs and digital payment systems and how we would move to a digital currency 100%. Some people think that would be Bitcoin or something at this point, but realistically, if you have paid attention, the federal government is thinking of making their own digital currency. And if they make a digital currency, then there has to be a way to store that digital currency. And they're not dishing out debit cards. They're going to make it a whole lot easier just to scan you. Be on the lookout for that. From a medical standpoint, having critical information for a patient, them being awake or unresponsive, like an allergy attack or a medication problem or their blood type, makes sense. You can get these right now, Hushlings. There's a website that we found in case you are interested in being chipped up. Just go to chip-implants.com. Yes, that is a real website. I am not sending you to a weird Russian hacked site that's going to steal your shekels. It does make sense, though. Like, imagine if we did have these and somebody was allergic to bees and got stung by bee, didn't have an EpiPen or something, or mm. they take 50 different medications and are having a cardiac incident or, or completely unconscious car accident, neither blood type. You don't know it. I feel like you could do all of that with a card in your wallet, though. I don't see the need to, like, put that in your body. You could. But at the same time, just looking at something simple like a diabetic. Like right now, if you look at type 1 diabetic or type 2 diabetic even, you know, they offer, like, bracelets. You can get, like, a, a type 1 bracelet. So if you ever go into a shock or anything like that related to your diabetes, the EMS can come up and see, okay, he has this bracelet, but you have to get those through the state and insurance will help you get those. And those are like legal things. Whereas like if you went and got tattooed on your body, I'm a type one diabetic. Or if you had a DNR, do not resuscitate. If you had that tattooed on your body, guess what? They don't follow that because it's not in the paperwork. If they don't have that backup document, they're not taking your word for it. They're not going to say, oh, this guy has tattooed diabetic type 1 on him or DNR on him. They're not going to follow that procedure. It's the same thing with maybe a card or maybe some sort of placard that you may have with you. They may look at it and say, yeah, it says this, it says that, but it would be through the state. It would be through a hospital. Yeah, it could be a, a good thing. But as we move away from documents as a whole, as we move away from like a paper trail with these things, then more and more we move towards that digital age where they're going to start using these chips and they're going to start saying, okay, your child has type 1 diabetes. Just found out your seven-year-old child has type 1 diabetes. We're going to set up an insulin plan and all this other stuff. But in the meantime, here we're going to inject this RFID chip right in the back of her neck and should she ever have an issue, EMS will show up and they'll scan her and it'll tell them everything that they need to know about her. But as we know, the lines are always blurred with the information that is provided within the medical system or a private system that always goes back to the government. So what does the government do with that information? Hmm. It's a slippery slope. Yes, you say that it can be used for the greater good, which most things can. A lot of these technologies and a lot of these things can. 
can you go up to a paraplegic and say, look, we're going to give you new limbs and they're going to jump at that fucking fact? Yeah, of course. Robotic AI hooks up to your brain is instantaneous. No lag. You're going to feel like you have limbs. We'll put this sleeve over it so it feels like skin and it looks like skin. And people would jump at the fact of that. For sure. <laughs> I mean, not literally jump. They wouldn't literally jump at the fact. And that's the show, Hushlings. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yep, that's it. We're cutting it. <laughs> snip, snip. Even before we move on, like with the insulin, maybe these chips could actually read your insulin levels without having to stab yourself. I know they have these new things that you can put in your arm, but I'm pretty sure I might be wrong. It still has a puncture point. It does. Into the body. Yeah. yeah a small so. one, but it does. It would have to be. Unless you started getting into maybe nanotech. Up in your veins. Yeah. You would need some sort of something to give that insulin. Yeah, it'd be great to get the information. Yeah, I, you know, I need I need sugar. I need insulin. I need, you know, whatever it may be. But you still need something to bring that into your body. Instead of a finger prick and a poke, you got to put just the poke, I guess. Yeah. yeah. We're all looking for a poke. Yeah. Body hacking hushlings. Never heard of it. I didn't really too, too much until I started really looking into this a couple months ago. Body hacking can go down many different avenues, but one of the truly interesting movements, other than implanting RFID chips, is people implanting cybernetic devices in their bodies, other than RFID chips. Trippy stuff. Tim Cannon of Grindhouse Wetware, a biotechnological company, they create technology to augment human capabilities that undergoes a number of body alteration implants. This includes RFID tags, which go in your hands, or magnetic implants in your fingers, wrists, all sorts of places. According to Business Insider, he is considered a cyborg. Tim Cannon? Tim Cannon. Just a quick thought. If his name is Tim Cannon and he's considered a cyborg and he doesn't have a cannon arm, he's not a cyborg. Just like Cyborg from um, Teen Titans. He has a uh, cannon arm. That'd be dope. This guy, Tim, he has all these implants. So he has the RFID tag in his hand. He has magnetic implants in his finger. His wrist is tragus, which is a part of your ear. What's the benefit of having magnets? I, I wouldn't know. Um, Spider-Man stuff. Obviously, you can climb up metal. <laughs> I don't know. Vacation souvenirs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get my mom a magnet everywhere I go. So Just point at it. <laughs> Imagine if my mom had magnets on her body, then I could just be like, hey, mom, I got you this magnet from just, Cape Cod. And just stick it. And just slap it on her shoulder and be like, you hold on to that. <laughs> <laughs> this one's not for the fridge. It's for you. <laughs> like bumper stickers for your being. There's obviously legal and ethical constraints on the sort of surgery that may be performed on people. And the majority of these alterations cannot be performed by doctors because they're not medically viable. Instead, they're performed by body modification professionals or a guy in the alleyway known as a, a do-it-yourself doctor. <laughs> There's going to be like black market transhumanistic, hey, get this weird body modification without paying the costs. At least with fractions of the costs, because I think that's what people are most worried about is if we do have this technology come out. The main reason why there's do-it-yourselfers is because, obviously, what Mike just said, you have these people that are selling this stuff, that are creating it, that are selling it at fractions, like 200, 300 bucks, as opposed to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, things that they're making out of old VCRs. In their fucking garage, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
There's also a little bit different variation of this body hacking, and it's called biohacking. A little less, I would say, invasive when it comes to putting foreign objects into your body. There's a guy named Dave Asprey. If you use Bulletproof Supplement, he's the founder. And he says it is the art and science of modifying the environment around you and inside you so you have full control over your own biology. So my take on that would be if you take probiotics and supplement a pescatarian or a vegan, it's just the the choices that you make of the things you put in your body. But around you, I'm not sure. I guess that's just your vibe. Now, this man has taken some extreme measures, such as having stem cells injected straight into his joints. He takes dozens of pills daily. He bathes in infrared light, among other things. It's all part of his ambition to live to the miserable age of 180. Why he picked 180? I don't know. Maybe it's his lucky number. Why not 200? Maybe. Why not 300? That brings up a question for me. I was thinking of this earlier. I'm just going to ask you guys real quick. Let's say the bioengineering happens, all this stuff happens, transhumanism is a, is a go, and you have the ability to live, let's say not forever, let's say 500 years. You could live 500 years, and then maybe you can re-up at the end and just keep going. But we'll start off with the 500, okay? You have the opportunity to live to be 500 years old. You will retain all your memories. You'll retain everything that is you. You will still be you, but you'll be in a, a mechanical body for the most part. You'd have to go through maybe some operations to get a mechanical liver, mechanical stomach, mechanical heart, whatever it may be. A bunch of chips put into you, maybe replace your skin with titanium. Bronk can make it for you. <laughs> what say you? You're going to live for the next 500 years. You want to go through the process and see what's what. What do you think, Dave? Here's the thing. Physical body starts to look like crap. No offense to anybody who's listening. It starts to look like crap probably around your like 70s, 60s, 70s. If you degrade slower because of the technology that we have to make us healthier and live longer and alter human beings a little bit. But that's what I'm saying. Your your body is not there anymore. Like, let's say you're going full transhumanism route. Parts of your body are replaced with metal. I mean, there's nothing organic left about you except for your brain and your central nervous system. This is where you get the separatism of it. And the elites would have this technology and all of us peons and peasants and flesh bodies would die. All that aside, let's say it's available to anybody that wants Food's it. no let's longer an issue. Pollution's no longer an issue. We're underground, we're in space. No disease. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. You still have to work because they'll make it so that your battery needs to be recharged. <laughs> Retirement age is 467 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Dave, you turn it into a robot? You, yeah. You, got, you getting robot on? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Frank? Morally, I feel like that's wrong. I'm going to say no. I feel like that would take away the importance and meaningfulness of small and very special moments in life. I feel like that would be bad. Weak. I don't want to see 500 years from now. I feel like it's going to be bad. But what bad. if everyone else in your family and friends are around you for those 500 years? What if years they're not? What if, what if all of them opt out and you're just, uh, it's too late. It's too late. You already signed your contract. You already have your robot brain. You're already in your robot body working for Elon Musk <laughs> in a Tesla plant for 500 years. Like, imagine that. You've now turned into a Tesla welding machine. 
they bolt you in at the beginning of every one of your 45 hour shifts and you can't leave that's all you do you just move your little arm back and forth (laughs) (laughs) you talk to the guy across the lawn hey bob what's going on man oh you know another day at the tesla factory elon's the greatest isn't he yeah great guy so smart so revolutionary (laughs) So smart. Glad I got this job. Elon didn't take the robot. He just he's just whatever the guy is from Power Rangers in the giant cylinder. <laughs> Get back to work. Just, just a floating head. <laughs> Moving on, more of these bio transhumanist engineering people. We have Josiah Zanier, who worked on Martian colony habitat design at NASA Ames Space Synthetic Biology Research Center. That's a mouthful. What a mouthful. (laughs) For two years, he worked there. He has a strong interest in CRISPR, which is the DNA editing technology, which stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. Another mouthful. Uh, (laughs) In a nutshell, it's a group of DNA sequences which present in the genomes of organisms like bacteria. Essentially, you're injecting yourself with bacteria, which then go on to change your DNA. Elon Musk's Neuralink Corporation is also in the mix. It is a neurotechnology firm that creates implanted brain-machine interfaces. Its objective is to create a brain-computer interface that will allow humans to wirelessly transmit and receive information between their brain and a computer. This is where our server from the beginning comes into play. Didn't we cover that Elon Musk back in 2018 in one of our frog factors, they had like 23 chimpanzees and 18 of them had like their brains explode? Yeah, it's it's fine, though. It's fine. It's, it's good. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, Samsung Galaxy S7s used to blow up on airplanes. That doesn't happen anymore. You just got to give it a couple of years. Now immortality sounds like a great thing. But imagine all of this being in the wrong hands or it coming out of control. See, that's what I worry about. It's always going to end up in the wrong hands. Anything technologically based that will advance the human race is always going to end up in the wrong hands. It's always going to be shit. It always does. I mean, it happens. It's always going to be rich people that have it. Yeah, that's cool. Like, it'd be nice to get the new DeLorean, but I know I'm not going to afford it. Come on. Definitely not. Big companies like Meta, Google, and even the fictional Skynet seem to fit the bill of this technology getting into the wrong hands. Google Research is one of the most advanced programs in which machines and computers learn, communicate, and more importantly, combine data autonomously. Google and Facebook are some serious, serious players. Yeah. And interestingly enough, Facebook and DARPA, if you don't know what DARPA is, Hushlings, it's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. It's a government agency are working on both wearable and implantable brain-machine interfaces, or BMIs. And these technologies will drastically affect how even we even communicate with each other. Are we talking like you could possibly just, instead of talking, you just tell Just look at each other. Yeah, just look at each other. Send an email through your brain. Can you imagine getting shit emails? <laughs> Spam. Spam. Oh, All the God. time. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg has described the following scenario. And he goes on to say, because he's a fucking robot himself. Today, when we share our vacation experiences, we upload photos and videos. With BMIs, or the brain-machine interfaces, I can share my full sensory and emotional... He really said emotional. You know that man has no emotion. No, sweet baby Ray's makes him emotional. (laughs) 
He loves that shit. Put that shit on everything. I can share my full sensory and emotional vacation experience with my friends and family. <laughs> that dude is not human. What friends and family? <laughs> yeah, what friends and family? <laughs> Those robots that you built? <laughs> Jesus I can share it with my reptilian aunt. You ever see that picture of him at some sort of social gathering? It's like a selfie, and he's got all of those people around him, and all the people's faces are looking wild. There's one lady with these bugged-out eyes that don't look human at all. Because they're all doing lines of petrified adrenochrome before they fucking have their barbecue. <laughs> oh, man. Now, there's an issue with BMIs. And that is hackers or viruses. With a PC, you may lose your data or the use of the device. The costs of having an implanted BCI hacked are much, much greater. If a malicious actor were to gain access to a user's BCI, it could lead to paralyzation, severe brain damage, or even potentially a loss of life. Yeah, that freaks me out. Yeah. Somebody hacks your body and kills you. Yeah. There would be murder everywhere every day. I mean, not that there isn't already, but on a much greater scale. So when they're talking about malicious actors, they're not talking about like uh, like Kevin Spacey or anything, no, right? no, 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 definitely not George okay. Clooney or anything like that. This goes on to raise various socioeconomic, ethical, legal, and philosophical problems concerning how to make assurances about making uncontrollable systems like the human brain controllable as the elites always try to do. This is a potentially substantial danger to human freedom. Yeah. Absolutely. It sounds very dystopian, in my opinion. It kind of reminds me of Blade Runner, when their lives were numb with the AI. And in the movie Gattaca, social status was completely determined by genetics. If you had glasses, you were fucked. Completely, you know, you're, that's it. You're out of the picture. And then in the grand scale of things, you have AI takeover or cyborg takeover within iRobot or in Terminator with the T-1000, 3000s, and even Marcus Wright was at Salvation. I think it was Terminator Salvation. Nobody watched that one. He didn't even know he was a cyborg until he saw himself in a mirror or saw his like skin blown off and dun, he was like, dun, oh, bro. Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. Tell me how freaked out you are if one day all of a sudden you like busted your ass, you know, you fell down the stairs or something or you, you know, you fell off a skateboard and you just like got rashed and you just look underneath your skin and there's just metal. I'm probably going to start chipping away even more. I got to see where where it all is. I'm peeling off my skin. It's one of those things where you look in the mirror and you start tearing your face yeah. away just cuz. Yep. Oh my god. I'm taking a razor blade to my face. That's like almost as enjoyable as getting eaten by wolves. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking about weaponizing this technology? Obviously always as we talk about DARPA. If they're involved, then it's about weaponizing. Hey, the Nazis did invent a form of biohacking to make their soldiers never tired. And I'm sure that the militaries around the world are experimenting with these technologies to create super soldiers. Not only would they not get tired, but they'd get shot multiple times and keep running at you. Methamphetamine freaky. Yeah. Meth. What a drug. Meth. It's all meth. <laughs> meth will make you a super soldier. Of course, with anything else, there is criticism. Some believe the likelihood of transhumanist goals being achieved is not feasible, while others strongly object to the moral principles, which I understand, or worldview sustaining transhumanist proposals. There's a whole conspiracy that transhumanism doesn't exist. 
it's like not happening. It's not going to happen. It's just kind of a, an idea. Yep. I definitely think it's happening. I think it's in the works. Francis Fukuyama, who is a political scientist and most known for his novel The End of History and the Last Man, said that this is the most dangerous idea. So he's a hater. The most dangerous idea? Really? I don't know if it's the most dangerous idea. Environmental ethicist Bill McKeebian argues against several of the technologies advocated by transhumanists in his 2003 book titled Enough! Staying Human in an Engineered Age. I don't like that book name. Sounds like a, a book from like Hobby Lobby. It's very inspirational. It's like enough and then it's like hyphen, hyphen, staying human in an engineered age. It should be like enough with a with an exclamation point. <laughs> that would get you. Yeah, that would make more sense. <laughs> this included germinal choice technology, nanomedicine, and life extension tactics. He says that tampering with essential components of oneself or their offspring in an attempt to escape universal human limitations such as aging, fragility, maximum lifespan, and biological restraints on physical and cognitive level is ethically wrong. Bill, you sound like a wet sock. <laughs> boring. I agree. Yeah, just I agree. like Frank. Boring. I agree. I do. I'll get my robot legs, but I don't want to live to 180, you know? I'll get metal legs to make my 60s comfortable, but beyond that, I'm good. I'm going the full tilt. Give me 1,500. 1,500 or bust. <laughs> the history of eugenics, social Darwinism, and master race beliefs foreshadowing of eugenics wars as the worst case scenario, which we saw in World War II. Quickly, you might ask yourself, what is eugenics? That is the study of how to arrange reproduction with a human population to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarding as how we described. Oh, the Nazis. The Nazis wanted blonde hair, blue eyes. So you team up a blonde hair, blue eye young boy in the, uh, in the service of the SS with a young Fräulein. Of blonde hair, blue eyes, and then you get blonde hair, blue eyes. Or they just do it in test tubes, because they definitely were trying that shit in World War II. Oh, for sure. This one was very interesting. Proponents against this say that it could create a forceful state-sponsored genetic discrimination of human rights, and that would lead to involuntary sterilizations, those with genetic flaws, murdering of the sick, and especially segregation and extermination of races considered as inferior which is exactly what the Nazis did. There was a very interesting video that I watched on transhumanism. They were talking about that there would be a large disparaging gap, even more than exists now, between the rich and the poor. Because obviously something like getting those robot legs would cost a million dollars, and you know, that further propels the elite into more of an elite status, and sets up those poor people to not get the same treatment. They're not going to get those robot parts. They're not going to get those mechanical hearts that could save them. They're, you know, because they can't afford it. So when you're introducing the idea of transhumanism as a whole, you're also introducing the idea that this is not going to be something that is going to be available to the average person. It's just not. Dave mentioned it. I've mentioned it. We've mentioned it a lot through talking about this is that it's not going to be one of those insurance covered things. It's not going to be one of those things that you're going to be able to go into your bank account and say, okay, I can drop $50,000 on a new mechanical eye. 
Another post on Reddit goes on to say, lastly, what about the machines? AI writes, what if we fail to realize hypothetical AI could become self-aware and revolt because of abuse and mistreatment of the creatures in question? That's a big one. That is a big one because you have to kind of rewrite almost every law. Mm -hmm. Those laws apply to humans. That doesn't include AI. It doesn't include the rights of robotic people or robotic entities. It's true. The idea of creating a thinking mind and then enslaving it without it ever retaliating is like outlandish. It's nature for it to retaliate. But most people accept that without question, assuming since it's a machine, it's not like me. Therefore, it can't have the same rights as me, which just like isn't the case. All right, boys, let's get into our final thoughts about transhumanism in this first half of the show. David? Realistically, transhumanism, in my mind, is inevitable. It's going to happen. We're dipping our toes in it already. And most of some of the crazy shit will probably surface in our lifetime. I think that there's definitely real benefits to our civilization medically, as we said. But I do feel low-key that we are or we are going to be in that dystopian type of reality or the beginning stages of it. And I really think that we probably should be really careful of what we're doing, especially when it comes to AI and genome therapy, the, the ethics of biohacking that and changing every aspect. There's some ethics and morals in my mind, but it's inevitable. I also think that it is inevitable, but I am worried about the gap between the elite and the poor. It's already massive as it is now. So imagine you're now giving the ability to live forever or to live in an extended lifetime or to have yet another advantage this time physical or biological to people that already have an advantage and are already in charge of everything and you're just giving them that next step i don't think that bionics or anything of that sort is going to be something that's going to be readily available to anyone. That's my biggest concern, is that we're just handing more power to those who can afford it. Frank, final thoughts on transhumanism. Now, I've got the pros and the cons. The pros obviously being, I think that people that have conditions and ailments that require some sort of transhumanistic solution should be entitled to that. I think they should be able to afford it, even disregarding the class gap, even if they can't afford it, almost like universal healthcare. They should be able to have that, and it probably won't be the case. In regards to extending your lifetime with mechanical organs or things of that nature, I don't agree with that. I don't think people should be living to 200 years old. I think that's unnatural. I don't think that should be a thing. And lastly, thinking a little bit outside of the box, we are covering this topic as a theory, and it's public knowledge at this point that this stuff exists. Now, keep in mind that cloning was happening in the 1960s and we still don't know exactly what's happened with that technology so this information is publicly available we're saying hypothetically what if you could get a mechanical liver and solve your liver cancer or your liver failure or your pancreatic cancer whatever so who's to say that the elites in charge aren't already transhumanistic what if they are already living extended periods of time into their lives because of this technology even though it's not publicly ready I think that might be a possibility. 
You look at some of these people and they look so old that it looks like you just dug them up out of a cemetery and like put, put makeup on them. <laughs> they, they look dead, but they're obviously still living. So who's to say this isn't already going down, right? All right, Hushlings, those were the final thoughts of transhumanism. We got through the first half of the show, maybe a little more. Hushlings will return after this short message. Greetings, Hushlings. Your boys are back for a sixth season. In this premiere installment, we reopen the history books of Holocaust Denial. We'll recap chapter one and then explore some of the facts of the Holocaust itself, the Nazis' rise to power, the psychology it took to become a Nazi sympathizer. We mention some of the terrifying leaders of the party, Adolf Hitler and Heinrich Himmler. Additionally, we look at the exile of the Jewish people throughout history. The conditions and treatment of Europeans, from the ghettos to the systematic movement to camps, and ultimately the death tolls themselves. As always, we'll have counter-arguments and some Reddit conspiracies. Join the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour on Monday, June 27th, the premiere of Season 6, for Debriefing 51, Holocaust Time, Chapter 2. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Hushlings, put your tray tables up in the upright position and stow your bags. Hush Hush Airlines is about to take off en route to China. During the 19th and 20th centuries, the Yellow Sand, or Way, W-A-Y, society was a rural secret society and folk religious cult originating and flourishing in Guan County, Shandong Province, around 300 miles south of Beijing, China. It was founded on millennialism, which is the doctrine or belief in a imminent thousand-year age of blessedness, beginning with or culminating in the second coming of Christ. It always comes down to Christ. Every time with these secret societies, these cults, how much of an in do you think that you have with Jesus? <laughs> that you and your buddies are going to be the only ones that are saved. You're going to be the only ones that know that this is happening and that you're just special that way. Furthermore, typically one of them has, has the balls to stand up to the group and be like, yeah, I'm talking to this guy myself and none of you can. <laughs> or I am that guy I saw in a dream last night after I took that nice little hint. Good old Marshall. The second coming of Christ seems to be a theme with some cults in, in society. The group also adheres to spiritual and romanticized monarchist concepts. Its members learned enchantments and believed that by using magic, it actually made them immune to bullets. See, I can get down with that. I'd join a cult if I could be immune to bullets. By the way, Hushlings, if you join our cult... <laughs> You won't be immune to bullets. And you won't, uh, but, but you won't have to pay taxes. This is true. This is tax-free. Non-profit, except for your profits. We want your profits. Though the Yellow Sands were most likely already in operation in the late Xing Empire in the 1600s, though that remains unclear, their main driving force was to restore the Ming Dynasty from 1366 to around 1644, very old, and often expressing this in the slogan, Oppose the Xing. Restore the Ming. It's got a ring. <laughs> Damn. Ooh. On that Dr. Seuss junk. Another anti-Semite. 
The Ming Dynasty's rule in which they were trying to restore represented an idolized period, and it was commonly assumed that a Ming restoration would result in a reign of pleasure and justice for everyone under a good sovereign. The movement may have originated in response to the steady fall of the Chinese government and the growth of banditry and disorder. Dude, I so want to be a bandit. But you have to do horrible things to be a bandit. Like, Why? Why does it have to be like at, that? No, but look at the definition of banditry. I mean, you're talking about, like, you can get bad. It's like it's like being a pirate. Or you could be good. You could be a good bandit. A good bandit? Well, Robin Hood, right? <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe you are a terrible person if you're a bandit. <laughs> Robin Hood is the Jesus Christ of bandits. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's said that peasants in the eastern Henan province organized and formed the Yellow Sand Society. Obviously, like Mike said with the opposition of the Shang government in 1908. And they were allied with, get this, Hushlings, the Red Spear Society. Not too different. But the Heavenly Gate Society. Mm-hmm. Clout chasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Applewhite. Could he maybe have uh, plagiarized this group from China? Seems like it. Kind of the similar aspect that he was talking about. No Nike Decade. Well, the Nike Decades came from China. Ooh. It's all coming together. <laughs> It's, yeah. Oh, man. It's all coming together. (laughs) Three years later, in an attempt to assist the Sinhai Revolution, they launched an open insurrection, like January 6th. They conquered and and pillaged Taikang, and they were eventually defeated, but over a thousand yellow sands perished in this war. Around 1919, a man calling himself Chu the Ninth. I like that. I like that. Chu the Ninth surfaced, claiming to be the ninth generation descendant of the Ming Dynasty and crowned himself Emperor of China under the era name Great Brightness. Dude, this guy's got balls. Hell yeah. All these guys fuck. <laughs> like. Chu <laughs> <laughs> the Ninth. Badass. A local yellow sand teacher assisted him. The two simultaneously stated that China had to be reunified under the, quote, true dragon or legitimate emperor, and that only Yellow Sand Society members would be spared in the impending Armageddon. Ah. Their rebellion against the government lasted three years before being put down by Republican army forces. There's just defeat, defeat, defeat. They also participated in the Chinese resistance against the Japanese Empire, which captured more Chinese land in the 1930s and formed one branch into People's Anti-Japanese National Salvation Self-Defense Corps. When communism finally emerged, they seized the opportunity to employ and exploit some of these secret societies. And communists grew increasingly irritated by the secret societies their political conservatism and reluctance to accept their communist ideals. And the CCP turned from partnering with them to undermining them and destroying them. As they would. You you wouldn't want any small rebellious groups walking around and dictating people when you're the big bad communist dictator. You don't want that. They've already tried an insurrection. The movement was still active in 1980 when three peasants were apprehended as putative Yellow Sands. They were suspected of plotting an uprising, and they allegedly resisted arrest. 
How fantastic. Eight police officers were hurt in the subsequent confrontation before the alleged Yellow Sands were apprehended. All were condemned to incarceration. Mike, hmm. Hmm. what are your final thoughts of the Yellow Sands Society? Oh man, not really a brief group, because they were around for a while, uh, I guess. I don't know. Is it really like a secret society? I think the way that they came up were probably more secret than more secretive they, they were yeah. i could tell you the research on them was very secret i couldn't find a lot so they were super secret to be completely honest it feels just like uh, more of a cult than anything it reads like a cult it feels like a cult so if it's like a duck then it must be drinking kool-aid <laughs> something along those lines those, those are my final thoughts on that I feel similar. I think it's super intriguing. They were, like I said before, they were kind of a Robin Hood-esque group that were probably just protecting their land from an oppressive government. A theme that's repeated throughout history, the Revolutionary War, Civil War, any any real wars, really. I think the Enlightenment portion, I wish there was more research on the enchanting and certain things that they did to make themselves believe that they could not get shot in the fucking face. Uh <laughs> I think that's the most intriguing part for me. And then the coincidences with the impending Armageddon. Frank, give us your final thoughts. Out of what we've covered in terms of secret societies, this is really jumping out to me very similarly to many SoundCloud rappers, right? They started underground <laughs> with a small following. And then they said, I'm going to change the rap game. You know, I'm going to restore this dynasty. And then they start making their moves. They start coming up. And then there's this rebellion, this revolution, essentially a drive-by shooting where they get into this huge fight. And then they get thrown into jail. So underground come up, change the game, yep. the ops, the opposition, which they seek to defeat. And then they're thrown into prison. It's a SoundCloud yep. rapper. Yep. That's all. That's all I'm seeing here. I like it. <laughs> That's a good look at it. It's a good look at it. Yeah. yeah. You had your rain. You know, your Bitcoin ran yep, out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Seven seconds of fame. Hushlings, you've heard us jabber on about this the past weeks, maybe a couple months, month or so now. But what is the Preceptor hot takes? Ooh, hot takes, hot takes. It's getting hot, getting hot. Something we decided to add funky fresh stuff into the show. It's kind of a Frank's final thought. Except we, the preceptors, school each other on stuff that we haven't told each other. So this should be really interesting. Except it's only a rigid 30 seconds. So we are timing rigid. ourselves. Yeah, rigid. Super rigid. So like blue chew rigid. Let's begin. All right. Ready? Ready? I've got my timer out. Mike. Somebody's going to have to time for me. I got you. I don't have a timer. I got you. Yeah. No, I got a stopwatch. I keep it in my pocket all the time. Oh, that's yeah. what keep that keep that glizzy glocked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I finish <laughs> asking you this question, I'm hitting start. At 30 seconds, I'm cutting you off. Ready? Here's your topic, Mike. What's up with the Vatican? What's up with the Vatican? Let me tell you something about the Vatican. Uh, the Catholic Church went around for thousands of years, sopped up everybody's religious texts and magic and everything that exists in the world that's fun, that has nothing to do with Sky Daddy, and they hid it away so that people would only believe in Sky Daddy. With eight seconds left, you summed it up better than I ever <laughs> could in an hour. That was beautiful. Dave? Something that we've talked about and maybe the hushlings have heard about. What the fuck is going on with all these food spots, the food processing plants, the 
farms, everything going up in flames and being dis- destroyed as of late. It's really difficult. We had a conversation about this earlier, and we couldn't find anything. They just directed us to, you're a fucking conspiracy theorist. And it's very interesting because a lot of these looking up, some of these fires or destruction of food plants all over the country, they're real. What are we covering up? We did talk about this previously, about us talking about food shortages that are coming, toilet paper shortages. Uh, but yeah, that's I, it. I think it's real. And yep, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Frank, I got one for you. Malaysia Airlines Flight H370. What happened to it? In my personal opinion, I think that that flight was literally sent into another dimension. That flight, at some point in time, flew through some sort of rift in the universe. Something was opened up. They flew through some real rough turbulence, and they literally shot into the nether of Minecraft. I have no idea, and that is my best answer that I can give you. They are somewhere else that is that is no longer on planet. <laughs> With three and a half seconds to go. That is summed it up. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. That was great. That was a lot of fun. I think we should maybe do that on random debriefings as well. Hushlings, we'll take your questions, your ideas. Well, Hushlings, that is going to conclude our biomechanical link and our tenure with the Yellow Sand Society. Was there anything that we missed? Anything that we should have discussed? Did we unplug too early? Did we corrupt our NFC chip? Did we forget to connect our robo-dongs? Reach out to us. You can always get us at our email at contact at hushhushsociety.com. You like how I do a little little song at the end? That was nice. So, as promised, a little sneak peek on what's coming for us in Season 6. Can we tell them everything, guys? Let's tell them everything. Tell them all the goods. Let's go. The show is ending. (laughs) (laughs) Blowout sale. Clear out our merch. Hushlings, you can join us as we explore all new topics. We'll be covering vampires and possibly a deep dive on Flat Earth. Again, as well as two live shows and new Cryptid Chronicles and Declassified Discussions. Every five shows now, we're going to be live. Halfway point of every season, we will be doing a live show just like this one so that we get more opportunities to just be here for you and to Mm -hmm. interact with you because we love these live shows and getting to talk with you. I know it's not very often that we get to do this, like we said, five months. So we're hoping to uh, maybe shorten up that time, maybe get you guys interacting into the Discord and uh, some of our other socials and whatever else may be. So we're just looking for any reason to talk to you guys. Pretty much. We're so lonely. As always, we're going to encourage you to become a patron. Also, if you enjoy our show, then you will enjoy our uh, our Patreon. It does have extra segments. It does have a lot of very cool things that are a part of it. As we're figuring it out and making more and doing more and whatever else, it uh, it's only going to become better. So there's a lot of backlog there, like I said earlier in the episode. So make sure you check it out. It's five bucks a month. We only have one tier, so it's very, very easy. Every first of the month five dollars comes out of your checking account it goes into our checking account and then we buy blow with it thank you (laughs) it makes the episodes better with that being said our next exclusive debriefing we will be traveling to mexico and visiting the zone of silence 
This is an area where UAPs are sighted and radio signals, other types of communication like obviously Wi-Fi or in the middle of nowhere can't be received and actually electronics die. And this is only on Patreon and this will be available on Thursday the 16th. You can join us for the premiere of Season 6 on Monday, June 27th for our 51st installment, which will be Holocaust Denial Chapter 2. We are cracking back into the big, bad, infamous topic. Uh, so boys, yeah. should we should we tell them? Like the real big news? Uh, I yeah. I think so. Okay, so real big news. Starting in season six, we will have a video portion of our show. So yes, on top of us releasing our regular audio, we will also be releasing video along with that audio. So we'll be revamping our YouTube channel and we're going to be a part of other things that are pretty big. So stay tuned for that official announcement. But the big thing is that we are going to move to video. So you will see us in one way or another. With that being said, guys, thank you all for joining us the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, and we will see you all in Season 6. And I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Sliggity Friggity Frank Sanders. Goodbye, friends. Good Good evening. Good evening. Goodbye. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best-kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.